morning. So I'm just going to leave this here, and I probably will trip over it. I'm leaving the cap off so it's ready. So, Anthony, you're in the splash zone, buddy. No offense, okay? Well, I've been given the honor to speak this morning, and it's, it is an honor. I'm excited to be here. Um, who enjoyed Natalie's message last week? Wasn't she awesome? Yeah, so I was telling her afterwards, I'm like, I'm not the only speaker. We got some awesome speakers coming up in the weeks to come, but um, she set us up so perfectly. It was so well done. Good job, Nat. Um, so this week, today, we're going to be expanding on Psalms 23, and that's where Natalie brought us, and she left us off last week. But uh, let me just take another swig here. Just got to get settled into the atmosphere here. The lights, it's, it's been a while since I've been up here doing this. Um, so, yeah, we got, uh, you know when you buy fish, you got to leave them in the bag in the tank a little bit. Got to get tempered and the, the balance out the temperatures of the water. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, they died six hours later at my house. I bought some this week. But uh, that'll be different this morning. No, I don't want to buy any more iCloud storage. There we go. Awesome. So... Expanding on what Natalie was saying last week, it is something I constantly have to remind myself, and I'm overwhelmed and amazed at how Jesus invites us to a table. Is it all coming back to you when she mentioned the scripture from Psalms 23, um, you know, a psalm written by David, of course, how he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies? And we're invited to this table, and it just blows my mind that we're invited by our king God, creator of the heavens and the earth, to join him at this table. So I'm going to pretend like this is my table this morning. Here we go. Don't fall over. There we go. And we're invited to this table this morning with him, a personal invitation, and it blows my mind each time. And, and you know what? It really tells me that we're on heaven's radar. I'm on heaven's radar. You know, I'm not forgotten. We're important to God. And when I sit at this table... I don't know about you, but for my life, I don't want the drive-through experience. You know, I don't want to just, you know, pull up to the second window and, and throw my money at them and grab my bag of food and go. No, I don't want that drive-through experience. I want everything that I can get, everything that's offered to me at this table from my king. Amen? So, but at that table, it's amazing at how quickly the enemy can grab a seat at our table. And that's what I want to talk to you this morning about. And that is, for those of you taking notes, this will be where you get out your highlighter, because I'm about to give you a title. It's, we're going to talk to you about the tactics of the enemy and how we can get at our table. See, the enemy only needs the tiniest of opportunities, the, you know, the smallest crack in the door, the, 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 the soft, he just needs to get the softest spots in our armor to get in, and that's all he needs, and he'll find a seat at your table. And it reminds me of a story about this one time when I was younger. Uh, my family used to go to uh, Kingdom Bound, Darien Lake. Anybody ever hear that? We used to go yearly. I know, yeah, the Valads, you go quite a bit. Um, I used to go quite a long time ago, and uh, that place was awesome. It's basically Six Flags used to own it, so it's a big theme park. And, uh, oh, they own it again. Um, Anyways, a huge theme park, real fun time, and then it was like, a, during the week, it was just like a Christian music festival, so anybody who's anybody of the Christian music world was there, um, so it was just a party all week, uh, but once the theme parks were closed and the concerts were over, uh, the, we stayed at the campsite that's right on site, and uh, that campsite would just come to life, like people from all over the states were there, um, and you would just hop from bonfire to bonfire, making new friends, and 
One night, we're sitting at a picnic table, me and all my friends, and uh, playing cards. And I was stuck right on the end of the picnic table, squeezed on there, playing cards. I can't remember what we were playing, but it was a card game. And this kid just walks up on the table, and I didn't know him, um, but a few people at my table did. And they were, you know, a little chit-chat back and forth. Hey, how's your night? Where are you coming from? What'd you do today? And then the kid kind of realized, well, there's no room here for me. Um, I guess I'll just take off. And there was a little awkward lull, and he just moseyed on away. And a couple of hands of cards later, uh, I got thirsty, and I said, well, I'm just going to run over to my campsite, grab a drink out of my, our cooler. I was just one little campsite over. Um, and as I got up and did that, on my return, I noticed the spot that I left vacant wasn't vacant anymore. And not only was it vacant, but the person in that spot was holding my cards, playing my hand. And it was awkward. And I remember as I approached the situation, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Do I get all tough with this kid and get out of my spot? Or do I, you know, being the pacifist I tend to be sometimes, do I just, you know, allow it to happen and go off and do something else? Um, so as I approach the table, I'm going to assume this this kid's got a head on his shoulders, and, you know, he doesn't want to hurt my feelings, right? So I'm just going to approach him slowly, and he'll quickly realize, oh, you're the guy that was sitting here before. I'm sitting in it now. You were playing with these cards before. I'm playing your hand now. My apologies. Here's your seat back. Um, but that didn't happen. <laughs> I walked up to him awkwardly and went, hey. And he looked at me and went, hey. Oh, you were sitting here. I went, yeah. Oh. And then he played the next card. Can you sense the, te like, sense the awkwardness there? It was, it was, it was kind of awkward. And uh, yeah, and then I just grabbed a lawn chair and pulled it up to the end of the picnic table and sat lower than everybody else and was just waiting for the next hand to get dealt in. And I was like, yeah, what am I doing here? Frank, you need to speak up for yourself more. But um, anyway, it's not about that kid. Actually, that kid, me and him became great friends. Um, a great relationship uh, grew from that, and uh, we still text each other from time to time. So it's not about that. It's just uh, an illustration of how quick the enemy can get at your table when you just get up for just a bottle of water. So you can be in the best place in your life. You can have the best deck of cards, the best hand delivered to you in life, but the enemy can suddenly be at your table. And the enemy's goal is always to gain access to our minds. He wants to control our thoughts. And then once he controls our thoughts, he can control you, and then he can begin to destroy you. That is his main goal. And, you know, the scriptures say the enemy, prowl, the, enemy the devil, prowls around. And he's just looking for these opportunities. He's, he's sharp. He's always on the ball. He's looking for opportunities and open doors where he can just get his foot in the door. And he invites himself in. And, and much like what I did that night at the campsite, um, we just let him sit there. We just let him sit there and we accept it. And as he sits there, he begins to converse with us. And he'll say things like, uh, how, how's work going? And, you know, man, that boss of yours, he's a real jerk. Man, you, you put up with a lot with that work. You're underpaid. You know, they don't appreciate you. Um, you, you know everyone in the, in, the, in the cafeteria is talking about you behind your back, right? And, or, hey, how's your family? Wow, you're a better man than me. I wouldn't put up with that. I'm surprised you stick around. And he constantly feeds us these lies as we just allow him to sit there and, and converse with us. So, how do we know the enemy is at our table? 
Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over four ways this morning of how we can know the enemies at our table. And I know it's not that simple. I know a lot of you have a lot of different scenarios and stories I'm sure you can share. So there's probably, probably 4,000 ways that we can know that the enemy's at our table. But this morning, we're certainly gonna talk about four of them. And the first one is you're entertaining the idea that is better at another table. Now, back to Kingdom Bound, Darien Lake. Coincidentally, I have another story from there. Um, there's a place inside the theme park called Maria's Spaghetti House, I believe. Those of you who have been there recently, if you're familiar, um, I think that's what it's called. Um, I could be wrong, but it's Maria's Spaghetti House, and it's this Italian restaurant. And I remember we went in there, and we waited forever to get a seat. It was just a really busy night. Um, we finally got seated, and it was so noisy. You know, a typical Italian restaurant, you know, red and white tablecloths all over the place. Um, and the waitresses were just running around, like, not knowing what to do. Everyone's making demands. Uh, it was really busy. We placed our order, and uh, then I noticed the waitress then sat another table of people adjacent to us. Um, and I remember it just took forever for our food to get out to us. And I don't know if you've ever been in a restaurant where it's taken a long time to get your food, and you're hungry, and you, get to get, you begin to get hangry, um, you've been to see all the food coming out of the kitchen and every tray of food that comes out, you just get that much more ticked off, right? Well, I remember then the waitress came out and she held this big tray and she's looking over in our direction. Oh, thank goodness, she's finally coming. Here comes our food. But then immediately I know she's not looking at us. She's looking at the table next to us and she's walking. I'm like, are they gonna get their food? We were seated before them. And then now, now it was confirmed, because now not only is she looking their direction, they've made eye contact, and she's smiling at that table, and they begin moving their purses and their, their pocketbooks and whatever to clear place for the place to go down in front of them. Like, they're getting their food before us. And I remember thinking, oh, I wish I was at that table. And then as I had that thought, she round the corner with her tray, and I'm not making this up. She trips dumps the entire tray. There had to be at least four plates of spaghetti on there. Like, it was, it was very, like, cartoonish com comedy, like, giant meatballs and everything, and just dumped it. Literally, it wasn't like, oops, I got some on you. Like, they had to change their clothes. I remember they, the whole table had to get up, and they had to go put on some staff uniforms because, they like, it was that bad, like, dumped it. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm glad I'm not at that table. I'll wait 10 more minutes. I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to end up like them. <laughs> it's so easy to see a narrow point of view through somebody else's reality and believe we want that for ourselves. So we compare, we, can, we tend to compare ourselves. You know, the, the, the modern day social, uh, social media issue, we tend to compare ourselves to everyone else's TikTok and Instagram. Um, but Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So if there is a voice telling you that it's better at another table to leave what you have, to destroy what you have in pursuit of something else, then that could be the enemy sitting at your table. If there is a voice telling you, get out of your marriage, get out of this relationship, avoid that responsibility, leave your family, give up on your goals and aspirations, give up on the promises that you know God put in place in your life, and that it's gonna be better at that table, then the enemy is at your table. Number two. Everyone say two. All right. No, I don't want iCloud storage. Stop asking me. iPad's acting up. Number two, you find yourself thinking you are not going to make it. So when you accept Jesus or the seat 
at a table with Jesus, we're making Jesus the shepherd in our life. Psalm 23 verse four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, and the key word in that scripture is through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and the enemy wants to tell you that you're not going to make it, constantly, you're not gonna make it, don't even try, you're not gonna make it, you're not gonna make it through this day, you're not gonna make it through this week, you're not gonna make it through this month, you're not gonna make it through this year, you're not gonna make it through this medical diagnosis, you're not gonna make it through these financial strains, you're not even gonna make it through this dinner with your in-laws, right? No, I'm just kidding. My in-laws are here this morning, I, I love her. You know what, I don't understand in-law jokes because I have the best in-laws ever and they're, they're gen she's generally awesome, love you. <laughs> I just want to throw that in there. Anyway, Frank, get serious. Uh, Jesus doesn't lead us to these, the, these, these situations. Um, he leads us through these difficulties and issues and situations. See, like, take Moses, for example. God didn't lead Moses out of Egypt to bring him to the Red Sea and be like, well, there you go, Moses. I got you out. You can take it from here, right? Like, I brought you all the way out of Egypt, brought you right to the Red Sea. Figure it out. No, he, did, you know what, he didn't even build Moses a bridge to avoid the Red Sea. Oh, well, I'll maybe get you a bridge. Yeah, you don't have to deal with this. Let's go over. Let's go around it, you know? No, he, he, he departed the Red Sea, and he led Moses through the Red Sea. Amen? That's what he promises to do in my life, and I know that's what he promises to do in your life too this morning, is to lead you through it. The third way that we know that the enemy could be at our table is that you are believing you are not good enough. This is a big one. It's a common one. I think, something that, I think it's one that we've all felt at some point in our lives, daily maybe. And it's not the obvious things that trip us up in our relationships with God. It's, it's the subtle lies. The subtle ones tend to be the most dangerous ones. And it's the subtle ones that the enemy convinces us with. The subtle thoughts he puts in our minds, and that thought is that you are not good enough, that I am not good enough. And you know, I look around this room and I, I feel like I know some of you and you know, I know you got lives going on and you guys got situations and you, know, you all look put together and you know, decent people and, and it, we come to church into a house of worship, into a moment of worship, you know, and we're all chosen and called by God, and, but yet we come in here and we settle into our seats and we're still believing about ourselves that I'm not good enough, that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not fast enough, that I don't come from the right family, I don't have the right background, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not worth as much as someone else. See, these are the thoughts because you have given the enemy a seat at your table. John 10, 11 says, I am, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You know what that means? It means there's a bad shepherd. And that bad shepherd comes to steal and kill and destroy. John 10, 11 continues to go on. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, this table we've been invited to isn't just a typical table. It's not a typical reservation. It's not a typical invitation. Um, it's not like, you know, I don't want to cook supper tonight, honey. What do you want to do? I'll pick up the phone, see if, uh, you know, 
Eastside Mario's has a spare table. I don't know, it's a Friday night, it's kind of late, it could be busy, and, oh, and you pick up, hello, can I get a reservation for seven for two? And yeah, sure, okay, and the reservation's made, and that's it, that's all. And you go and eat, and you leave, have a good time, and you come home. It's, it, it's not that simple. See, because this reservation was bought with the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. So this reservation literally cost Jesus everything. And let alone that we're invited and we sit at this table with him and he continues to serve us at this table. So based on the fact that we are served with nail-pierced hands, dare nobody say that you are not good enough. Yeah. Amen. Anybody telling you anything that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not uh, financially equipped enough, that you come from the wrong background or, or anything like that, those are the lies of the enemy. Because God says you are enough. God calls you his own. God says, I'll never leave you nor, for, nor will I ever forsake you. That I will equip you. That whoever's against, who can be against you if I'm with you? Anything telling you anything different is the enemy's voice telling you those things. And there is nothing that honors God more than agreeing with God. And God wants nothing more for, than, for, you to not act, for you to act, nothing like you are entitled to this, but simply just to sit down, be overwhelmed and amazed that you are welcomed and you are invited to sit at his table. The fourth way we know the enemy could be sitting at our table is you are starting to believe that everyone is against you. Call that the spirit of paranoia. <laughs> Any paranoid people here this morning? Yeah, yeah, I see some hands. <laughs> True paranoid people don't raise their hands. <laughs> well, you know that feeling, I'm sure you know somebody, and it might be you, you know, where you, you, you talk to that person and you're saying, hey, uh, how's work going? And they're like, oh, well, uh, I, I quit. Oh, I, I'm sorry to hear what happened. Well, my boss didn't really like me. You know, he, we didn't get along. Uh, you know, he, he was giving me all the hard stuff, and he's doing it on purpose, and um, we didn't get along. He didn't like me, so, so I quit. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Well, how's, hey, how, how's things going with your girlfriend? Oh, well, it was couple, we broke up a few weeks ago. Oh, that's unfortunate to hear. Oh, what happened? Well, her, her family, her family didn't like me. You know, they... I could, they were talking about me behind my back, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, and they're, they're trying to convince her to leave me, so um, we just, I just broke it off, because I, I could just tell. Oh, I'm sorry, well, do you have another job? Are you, are you looking elsewhere for work? Oh, actually, I got a new job. Oh, that's great. Where are you, how, how's that going? Well, it's going to be temporary, you know, they don't like me that much. I can tell I'm, I'm the new guy, they're talking about me in the cafeteria, and they're talking about me in the cubicles, and you know what, I even walked into reception the other day, and the receptionist, I said good morning, and she didn't even look up at me. I, I, I can tell she doesn't like me. You know those people? Have you ever been one of those people? I have. <laughs> now, in reality, it could be true. Somebody is against you. That's just life. You can't, no, not everybody's going to like you. Um, there'll definitely be opposition out there. But it is very unlikely that everyone and their mothers are against you. <laughs> Unless the enemy is sitting at your table. 
See, he'll try to convince you to go through life clenched fist. He wants you to protect yourself. He wants you putting up walls. He doesn't want you to be vulnerable, and he doesn't want you to feel like you're being, like you're being vulnerable. See, and, and, and that mentality that, of, of having clenched fist, it, gives, it gives, puts you on the offense because you want to get them before they get you. You want to pop them before they get a chance to pop you. And we don't want to be vulnerable. And anytime a situation happens, we, we have walls up, but then we put up even more walls. And we begin to seclude ourselves and, and barricade ourselves in so that we are untouchable. And we keep our, our, our dukes up constantly. And we look at that lifestyle and that mentality. That's the opposite of how Jesus lived. See, when Jesus gave his life on the cross, he took all the walls down. You know, he didn't clench his fist. He literally opened his hands you know, and when and we're walking around saying, well, I want to, I I'm going to get them before they get me. Jesus said, you know what? They're going to get me before you even know who I am. See, Jesus gave first. Jesus sacrificed first. Jesus loved first. Jesus gave him it all so that we can have this invitation to a table, his table. And he's saying, come to my table where you'll be taken care of. See, God's table has everything you need. It's, it's full of it. it, it's abundant. It has everything we need, because God is an abundance God, a God of abundance, not scarcity. And he wants us to be children of abundance and not scarcity this morning. So when anybody's time, somebody comes to try to take something from our table, we can then begin to step, step into what he says about us and live open-handedly. And anybody that tries to take anything, we can offer it up. And be like, oh, you want some? Here, take it. Please, please, you want some more? Here, take it. You over there trying to stab me in the back. That's cool. Here, have some. Please, please. Because it, at the end of the day, it's not about what's on the table. Because again, Psalms 23 verse 5 says, You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Right? We're children of abundance. So it's about not what, about what's on the table. Because we live in abundance. That's never going to run out. It's not about what's on the table. It's about who's at the table that we can depend on. And with my king serving me at my table, I'll always have everything I need. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And apparently he's done that since the dawn of man. He's been doing it since Adam and Eve in the garden. And there, apparently there's nothing I can do about that. That's just what he does. But there is something that I can do. You know, he can prowl around all he wants, but he cannot take a seat at my table. That's it. And based on who my king says I am, I'm taking authority over my table. Just like David couldn't tolerate the things he heard Goliath saying about him, we cannot tolerate the enemy trying to sit at our table by believing the lies he whispers in our minds. And the way I'm gonna stop the enemy from sitting at my table is I'm gonna be proactive about two things. First, I'm gonna focus my eyes on my king, right? Because if I'm focusing on anything else, I've lost the point. And it's just like driving. You know they say keep your eyes on the road? Because where your eyes go is where your vehicle goes. So I'm gonna lock eyes with my king. And the second thing is I'm gonna lock, I'm gonna lock onto what he says is true about my life. Because man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of my Lord. Now again, I don't know 
what the enemy's speaking in your life or the lies that you're hearing. But if you're hearing, I am weak and powerless, 2 Corinthians says God's strength is more than sufficient. If you're hearing, I am unlovable to God and others, God, Jeremiah 31 says God loves you with an everlasting love. If you're hearing, I can't be used by God because of my past. Romans 8 says God has blotted out the sins of your past. If you're hearing, I am worthless and irrelevant, Deuteronomy says you are God's treasure. If you're hearing, I am rejected and abandoned. Ephesians 1 says, God has adopted you into his own family. If you're hearing, I am deficient and incomplete. Colossians says, God has made you whole and complete. If you're hearing, I am alone and no one cares about me. 1 Peter 5 says, God cares about you and is with you. If you're hearing, I can't have peace in my life. John 14 says, God will give you his perfect peace. If you're hearing, I have no purpose in this life. Jeremiah 29 says, God has great plans for you. If you're hearing, I am ordinary and average, not special. Psalms 139 says, you are extraordinary and you are unique. Again, it's not what's on our table. It's about who's at our table sitting down with us. And with him, I'll have everything I'll always need. And if you've never given yourself the opportunity to receive the invitation of sitting at that table, if you've all, never even knew that there was a table, some of you may be finding that out today, you know, that there's, there's a life with Jesus in it, a life where he calls you his own, where he calls, where he calls you and he has chosen you, and, he's and he says, you are beautiful and you are wonderfully made. And there is a plan and a purpose for your life. There is. And he's been inviting you your entire life. And today, today might be your opportunity to receive all that he has. And if you've never given yourself that opportunity to receive that invitation this morning, I would love for today to be that opportunity. And if that's you, I'm gonna to count to three, and that's simply just so I can acknowledge your hand because I wanna pray for you this morning. So I'm gonna to count to three, and if you wanna receive that invitation this morning, I strongly encourage you, just throw your hand up, even if it's just for a second, just so I can identify you. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you this morning. If those of you online, you can just type that in the chat, that that is me, you can say, that's me. I wanna receive his invitation to the table this morning. Thank you. It's been awesome. So if, you're, if that's you this morning, I just wanna lead us in a word of prayer. If we can all just say it together in support of those that are making this awesome decision to, to accept Jesus' invitation to his table, just repeat after me. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you for the invitation to thank a seat you. at your table. Thank you for the invitation to a seat at your table. Today I am making the decision to join you at your table. Today I'm making the decision to join you at your table. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. And for so long believing the lies of the enemy. And for so long believing the lies of the enemy. Starting today. Starting today. I am believing what you say. I am believing what you say. Is true about me. Is true about me. Come into my life. Come into my life. And be my shepherd. And be my shepherd. 
and lead me. And lead me. Amen. Amen. Well, let's put our hands together for those that made that decision this morning. That's awesome. It's awesome. God is moving. He's made the best decision ever. We're going to close with some more music. We're just going to worship God for all that he is. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Your name is power. Your for Frank. Thank you, Frank, for an awesome message. I don't know where he is, but he's around. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Sunday. Have an awesome, awesome weekend.